Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. I pray that you are doing great. It has been a while since I've recorded. I recorded uh, all the previous episodes that were released through the month of December and January all at one time in November because your boy went and got married in early December. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Marriage is incredible. And so this is the first time I'm recording, so I apologize for the lack of Saturday episodes on new series, and I apologize for the two-week like gap that we just missed, but I'm also in busy season at work, so it gets tough in order to find that time to record anything. So I'm actually recording this as a short episode for Always More Wednesday on a cheaper recording device uh, in a conference room at work. So this is what it's going to be like for probably at least through February. And then God willing, I have more time in the month of March. I'll be able to record more episodes for Always More Wednesdays and for new series, which I'm super excited. The next series will be on salvation, uh, entering into that Lenten season. We're going to be talking about salvation and the gospel of Jesus. It's going to be incredible. But for now, uh, let's get to this short and brief Always More Wednesday episodes. So I want to talk about faith and history. A lot of people simply talk about believe. You have to believe in your heart. Just believe. Just believe. Well, and I'm not just uh, restricting that to a Christian context, but just simply a lot of times people will say believe. And I don't really like that language because sometimes a lot of people are like, well, what are you actually believing in? A lot of people can believe in myths, legends, lies, and become attached to a belief, right? And they're attached to something that might be a myth, legend, or a lie. But our faith is based on historical facts. Historical facts. Jesus is Lord of history, and we even call it salvation history because it is God revealing himself through this that, uh, that salvation history and then fully revealing himself in the person of Jesus Christ and him crucified, his incredible love for us, fully revealing his love and his plan and uh, for us and for what and our purposes, what we are created for. So God, um, through history, these are actual events that happen. It's not just something that, that we just can think about and we would like to believe it, but it's just not true because truth trumps everything. We have to believe in truth. And so we have faith that Jesus was a real person, but it's a historical fact that he was a true person. Uh, Even um, any historian, whether they're religious or secular, every single person can uh, verify that, like, yeah, there was an actual man named Jesus who walked around with uh, with his friends uh, 2,000 years ago in the first century, and then he not only uh, was just another man, but he claimed to be the king of the Jews, the king of the world, to be Lord, to be God. And it's a historical fact that this man, Jesus, rose from the dead. So we have faith that Christ rose from the dead, but it's also a historical fact because over 500 people saw him after his resurrection. And not only did they claim to see him, but they died for that belief. And so uh, it doesn't make sense for any of this to be happening unless that was true, unless that was an actual historical event. And so, and the catechism even goes on to explain that this is a actual historical fact that Jesus Christ uh, claimed to be God, was crucified um, by Pontius Pilate, and was risen from the dead. That's why I even say in the Creed those very specific facts because those were historical people, and same with Jesus. And so even um, in scripture itself, uh, our first pope in his second letter, Second Peter 1.16, even says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of, eyewitnesses of his majesty. 
And then St. John, uh, the beloved disciple at the foot of the cross uh, with our Blessed Mother. And his first letter, 1 John 1, 1 through 3, he even starts the letter by talking about how this is a historical fact. He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and touched with our hands, concerns the word of life, the word of life being Jesus. For the life was made visible. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim now to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this so that our joy may be complete. So these are not just made up uh, nice ideas, but these are historical facts that our faith, our faith rests upon. It's a historical event. But it's all, and it's also a historical fact that Jesus Christ established an authoritative church with his own authority. So I have faith that Jesus leads his church, and I have complete faith in every single thing that the Catholic Church teaches because of the promises of Jesus. But it's also an historical fact. Jesus Christ uh, uh, founded a church, and that church has been led for 2,000 years. In the very first century, Jesus appointed 12 apostles resembling the 12 tribes of the Israel. He's building the new Israel. And so he appointed these apostles for his church so that they can teach and evangelize with his authority. When he says he has the keys of the kingdom, that is the Davidic kingdom of Isaiah 22 being mentioned, and to the power to bind and to loose. And they practiced that in the first century. We see that all over the New Testament letters where Hebrews says, Submit to your elders. And St. Paul talking about his own authority and the acts of the apostles. Um, spreading, uh, spreading the church in union, and all these uh, these apostles um, going to to expand the church, right? And so we have twelve apostles, but we only have four letters written from them, and this was all uh, a lot of it spoken, right? So even um, Saint Paul in Thessalonians talks about the word of God that are proclaimed to you. So it's not just the written word that's inspired, but it's also the fullness of the gospel that was handed on from Jesus to his apostles. And those apostles um, ordained bishops to continue. We see uh, um, St. Paul talking about that in Timothy, ordaining bishops to continue to spread the church in union with the successor of St. Peter. And uh, we even see that's a historical fact that it was the Catholic Church that battled persecutions and heresies right from the beginning. The Peter and the, the whole 12 apostles and their successors after that. We see all these writings in the first century talking about the teachings of the Twelve and the Didache. We see uh, Pope Clement. We see Polycarp and St. Ignatius of Antioch who were uh, apostles of and disciples and friends with St. John who are writing about the authority of the Pope, the Church, talking about the Eucharist, confession, baptism, all these things that the Catholic Church has which she's always had from the very beginning. So it's a historical fact that the Catholic Church who was uh, who has been led by the promise of the Holy Spirit uh, declared in Acts 15 for the first time dogmatically when this heresy arose that you had to become Jew a Jewish to become Christian it was the Holy Spirit that led the church who at that time they had to directly contradict their scriptures that they had the Old Testament and say that you didn't need to become circumcised it was Peter with that following the tradition of Jesus proclaiming this 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 truth, dogmatic truth, this binding truth on the church that you do not have to become circumcised in order to become Christian because baptism is the new circumcision. And so it's been exactly like that for 
over the past 2,000 years where it's been 21 more ecumenical councils that happened since that time in Acts 15 where there were all these heresies and all these lies and all these things that have been uh, entering into the church and persecution and uh, people within the church. But for 2,000 years, over those 21 ecumenical councils, it's been the church that's been gathered to define dogmatically, infallibly, the truths of the of of Jesus and His Church and from sal- and uh, and salvation, and it's just like that uh, when in the early church, the first three centuries, people were spreading heresies that Jesus actually wasn't God; He's not a divine person. But it was it was the church that came together and said that Jesus is a divine person who took on human flesh. His human and His divine flesh are perfectly one, calling it the hypostatic union. He's not two separate persons, but He's one with uh, His divine. Uh, uh, his divine um, person taking on human flesh, becoming one person, but he has two wills. And then they define the Trinity in the third century. Uh, and then after that, and the, the Trinity being um, three persons, one God, all equal, all equal in power and authority, and each one being completely God in and of themselves, not being partially God or a third of God for each, but being fully God in and of themselves, but relationally, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it was the church after that that compiled the Bible. We had 27 popes by this time that compiled the Bible, gave us the canon that we have today. And the Bible didn't just fall out of the sky for us to read it and try to figure it out. It's this historical fact that Jesus founded his church because what does... Because because God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, like First Corinthians fourteen thirty three says. So Jesus founded a church that would become the pillar and the bulwark of truth, according to First Timothy three fifteen, and that's been a historical fact for two thousand years. And it was this church that even gave us the Bible. And even in the fourth century, we have Saint Augustine even saying that he would not believe in the Gospels unless the authority of the Catholic Church did not move him to do so. Jesus said, "If you have faith in God, have faith also in me." But He's also saying, have faith also in the church that he founded, like he says in Matthew 16 and 18, because what is what is the church? It's the body of Christ. He founded it, um, and he is the head, and it is body, and the Catholic church is his body, and he can never separate uh, the body from the head, right? And it even says in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, that the, it's the church that is the fullness of, of Jesus throughout the whole world, it, and it, it comp- comprises all time and space, so it never leaves. And so we have faith in His church because of the historical fact of Jesus and the historical facts of Jesus working through His one holy, Catholic, apostolic church for two thousand years, who's always communicated truth that we know it, the reality of Jesus Christ, the reality of Scripture, the reality of the Eucharist, the reality of baptism. All those things, it's Jesus speaking through his church, and these are historical facts.